hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. How do you save for tomorrow and still have a life today? This is an important but sometimes delicate balance. <laughs> we spoke at the Reaching Out MBA or Ramba conference in Chicago last month, and one of the attendees asked this very same question, and we think it's a great topic for this show. Yeah. So you're listening to Queer Money episode 452, and today we're sharing how you can balance the needs for tomorrow with the desires and the needs to blow it all today <laughs> as part of our ongoing financial well-being series with Capital One. Now on with the show. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Queer Money Podcast. As John mentioned in the outset, yes, Ramba or Reaching Out MBA paid for us to do a presentation at their conference in Chicago this year. And we were excited and enjoyed doing this. And there were a number of questions. You're going to hear us talk about a few of these over the next couple of months on the podcast because we want to answer questions that people actually have. Yeah, this was a little bit, we took a different approach with this particular presentation. We tried to gamify it. So we actually did what we called queer money bingo, where we put up a whole bunch of money terms, LGBTQ money terms, personal finance terms on a spirally computer thing that shows <laughs> wheel. on its own what words to talk about. So we had a very broad topic about a number of themes or, or topics. But what we didn't do is go very deep. We wanted to really engage the audience with sort of high, high level stuff and then hopefully take the discussion deeper over time. Yeah. So how do you save for tomorrow and still have a life today? And really what this comes down to is the choices that we make and the order in which we make those choices. And the the primary choice that we need to make in order to be able to have a life today and still have money for tomorrow is a concept that's not unfamiliar to a lot of people. And that's this idea of pay yourself first. But we go much further than that. It's not just pay I have yourself. so many different versions of myself. Which ones do I pay first? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what we encourage folks to do is to think about paying themselves in this particular order. Pay your future self first, which typically involves investing in a 401k, putting money aside for, for those future needs. Second, you want to pay your past self, and that is for things that you've already made a commitment to pay for. Things like your mortgage, your utilities, or things that might be taken away from you if you don't pay them, like <laughs> your car insurance or your car. And then finally, the third piece of paying yourself is your present self. And that's, I think, one that most of us focus on when we think about having a life today. What's interesting is that the reality is most people pay themselves in the opposite order. They pay their present self first, enjoying life today. Then they pay their past self second, 
pay their bills. Usually credit cards and student loans and stuff like that very often. Exactly. And if they have enough money, they pay all their past responsibilities or commitments. And then maybe if they have money left over, they'll pay their future self third. And unfortunately, paying themselves in that order means you have a really fun life today, but you start to stress about your finances the older you get. Yeah. And as we said before, several times on this podcast, as and we actually said it in our presentation in Chicago, was that very often we get emails from LGBTQ folks who say that they are 50 Five, 60, 65, and they want to retire, but they haven't done anything, what options do they have? And there are some options, there just aren't plentiful options, and it's not terribly easy when you wait that late of the game. So we're going to talk about seven tips that you can actually enjoy and have a decent quality of life today and still prepare and have a secure life tomorrow and following the principle of paying your future self first, your past self second, and your present self third. Yeah. Not forgetting that your present self still exists today. And if you are interested in the FIRE movement, whether that's reaching a full retire early and being financially independent, or you want to get to something like Coast Fire or any of the versions of FIRE that are out there, the reality is, is that everyone who has done that was able to focus on paying themselves in this order, future first, past second present third. And the tips that we're going to share, as John mentioned, really are what we use and have helped us to get to this point because John and I have reached Coast Fire. And several of the people that we've coached and worked with. Yeah. So here we go. In a nutshell, we've got seven steps for you. First is get crystal clear on what truly matters to you and what you will need to be able to subsidize that in the future. So I think Dave and I are, are we're prime examples of this. You know, we we were living so much for today, once upon a time, with our fancy clothing and our fancy travel and our fancy lifestyle, uh, that we were sacrificing the things that actually truly mattered to us. But the problem was we didn't know what actually truly mattered to us. And so when we finally figured out what was most important to us and we aligned our spending with those goals, right? Then we right. were able to not only pay off our debt, but we were able to amass over a million dollars and build a business and get into real estate investing. Right. right. We really, we really kind of get it was really what was our why for earning money? Why did we really want to earn money? That's what kind of comes down to is what was the purpose? Why did we need to earn this much money? Or why did we want to make more money? Or why have a job at all? Right. right. All of this was focused on what's the purpose of our spending and if you aren't spending towards your hopes and dreams, it's really kind of useless. Well, and I think most people, most of us don't know, don't give ourselves the opportunity to figure out what our hopes and dreams are. And so we just spend on everything. And we very often just sort of like jump on the consumption train where everybody's getting a new phone. I got to get a new phone. Everybody's going to brunch. I got to go to brunch. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's like, but do you really want those things? The phone isn't changing that much each iteration. Yeah. Why do you need a new one every time one comes out? <laughs> so, and for most people, it's you know, three to five things that's really, really important to them. If you are coming up with more than five things that are the most important thing in your life, then our argument is you probably need to get a little bit more clarity on what is most important to you because everything can't be the most important thing. And then step two in that figuring out what your hopes and dreams are, or figuring out why those are your hopes and dreams. You don't want to just sort of cover it too superficially. You want to kind of go in a little depth of why is this really important to you? Because as David said, when you figure out what that why is, then you have an understanding of, or have the motivation to be able to stick to it when times get tough. Because, you know, 
saving for retirement isn't always fun and glamorous or sometimes not even easy. And so if when you know what that why is, then you can kind of hold on to that a little bit. And then step number two in this whole bullet point is to do a simple financial snapshot. We love financial snapshots. So many of our clients have benefited from doing one. And so that's why we provide a simple example version that you can use if you go to the credit card debt slasher toolbox, which we'll have a link in the description below or uh, in the podcast player for listening on your podcast. Yeah. All right. Tip number two in this whole process of how do I save for tomorrow and enjoy life today is getting an understanding, at least an estimate of how much money you're going to need for tomorrow, right? And for most of us, that means calculating our retirement number. And that can be very up in the air. It's it's not a, a crystal clear, definite number, right? A lot of people say, oh, you need to have a million dollars saved for retirement. Well, we know that that number, that benchmark has moved now. Most people now are, are saying they need somewhere in the range of one and a half to two and a half million dollars because of inflation and things like that. So this is something you would want to check in on a regular basis, have some calculations that you use. Back on episode 326 of the podcast, John and I had a discussion around some of the more common measurements that people use to get to that number. Yeah, exactly. So the first one was Fidelity's savings to income ratio, where they focused on how much money you need by the time you're 65. Another one is the income multiplier, which focuses on your in, the income side of how much money you will need based on your income. Then there's the spending multiplier, which focuses on how much money you'll need based on how much money you actually spend, which is probably a, a really good one. Yeah, a little more accurate, I would think. And then there's a very generic one called the 25 times rule, the twenty rule of 25. All of those we talked about on episode 326 of the podcast, but... although our favorite so far that we have found is from our guests on episode 442 of the podcast, where we interviewed Lauren Boland, who has created the calculator at cfiresim.com. We'll link to that in the show notes and on the in the newsletter to share with you that episode or the link to the calculator. This calculator is probably one of the best ones that we have seen that gives you a more realistic picture of, will I run out of money in retirement? <laughs> and I think that's the big question, right? We all want we all want to know how much we'll need in the future because we don't ever want to run out of money after we've stopped working. Yeah. And the cool thing with, with her calculator was that you can put in way more variables than those simple equations allow for. And then on top of that, you can save a couple of different examples. So you don't have to sort of lock yourself and commit yourself to sort of one particular strategy because that one particular strategy probably won't really pan out exactly the way you expect it. So you can come up with a few examples to give yourself a range of variables and, and and estimates. And then that can you can kind of keep track of that because you can save each of those calculations and then go back to it every few months or every, uh, every year or so to see if you're still on track for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Number three is to adjust your cash flow accordingly. So the way to do that is sort of you want to build the gap between your income and your expenses. Unfortunately, very often when our income increases, as David and I were definitely prone to do once upon a time, then our expenses increase and, well, and that's called lifestyle creep. So the way to sort of build that gap is uh, on the income side, do what we've been talking about a lot recently, and that's build your, use the Wealth Builders Pyramid, which is a composition of stock market investing, real estate investing, and then starting your own small business and getting each to a point where they can generate 50% of your uh, living expenses so that you have 150% of your living expenses covered. If all of those particular markets are up, 
that rarely is the case, but so that extra 50% gives you some wiggle room in case one of those markets or the returns on that particular side of your pyramid is down. And then the second half of adjusting your cash flow accordingly, that is to decrease your expenses. And we talked a little bit on step number one about the spending analysis. You can get the simple spending analysis in the credit card debt slasher toolbox, or you can also listen to Career Money episode number 190, where we give you a step-by-step of how to create your own spending analysis in an Excel spreadsheet. Tip number four, build an emergency savings account or build up your emergency savings. And the real reason why this is a tip here is this helps us avoid the trap of using future money to pay for things like our credit cards or emergencies or things that arise. The nice thing about the environment that we're in today, John and I have our emergency savings at a in a high yield savings account. And the nice thing about that is our emergency savings is now to the point where it's almost self-funding. We were con- we've been contributing roughly anywhere between 50 and $75 a month to our emergency savings because we have found that that's kind of a good cadence for us. And right now we're at a point where our high yield savings account is actually putting in somewhere between 40 and $45 into that account from the high yield that we're getting. That's a little bit thanks to the Fed as well. Exactly. But it's <laughs> the nice thing is, is we're using circumstances right now to self-fund that. So we actually then have, instead of having to put money into our emergency savings, we have money that we can put into spending on the presence or or, or present or having oh. a life today. You no, didn't I didn't tell me say that, that I had to spend. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but it's the, this is the scenario of what can happen when you build up your emergency savings. You're not tapping future money. You're not tapping past money to pay for your bills or adding to past money by adding these emergencies or need to spends on your credit cards, you actually have an account you can pull from and then just let it replenish. And let me ask you, for me, I think when the first time that we built our emergency savings after we realized how much debt we had, that was the most stress alleviating experience to me, even more so than paying off our debt. Was that the experience for you? I'll say it was the beginning of the fun to watch it grow. It wasn't necessarily that I was stressed out that we didn't have emergency savings because I think it was still somewhat in the mindset of, oh, well, if we have an emergency, we'll just put it on a credit card and then pay it off. But it was fun watching it grow because then we knew we didn't have to tap our credit cards. We didn't have to spend money that we didn't have. We had that money. It wasn't necessarily stress relieving for me, but it was exciting. Yeah. So if you're looking for fun and you're more like David, (laughs) build an emergency savings account. If you're looking for a anxiety reducer and you're like me, build an emergency savings account. (laughs) Step number five here is to open a sinking funds account. So sinking funds are individual savings accounts designated for particular goals. So you have your three to five really important things that you want to save for, or you have three to five near-term things that you want to save for. You can open a specific savings account for each of those particular goals. So for near term might be, you know, you want to save for travel, you want to go somewhere in a year, or you want to save for a special occasion such as a wedding or somebody's birthday, a special birthday, or you want to save for the holidays, right? That probably the most popular example of a sinking fund is a holiday savings account, right? So what you can do is create a sinking funds account for each of your specific goals. And of course, we always recommend Capital One's 360 savings account for multiple reasons. One, they have uh, one of the best yields available. You can open an account easily online within minutes. They have no fees or minimums, and they support the LGBTQ plus community 
all year round, not just in June. And it's one of the reasons why the show still exists today. All right. Tip number six, manage expenses in alignment with those goals. And this is uh, probably one of the ones that I think most people have a little bit of dread around, and that's the idea of managing their money to a budget. And uh, oftentimes that's because many people see budgets as a preventer from them living the life that they want. When in reality, the, probably what's living, preventing most of us from living the life that we want is the amount of money we make, not how we manage our money. But back on episode 412 of the podcast, we talked with Dana Miranda, founder of Healthy Rich, and she encouraged people to think about this idea of you don't really need a budget. And we like to basically relabel that ourselves as having a no budget budget because not having any control over your money really doesn't lead you to a good place. But the idea with a no budget budget really is that you set your money aside with that whole plan of paying yourself first. The first thing that comes out of my money is setting aside money for the future. The second thing, paying all those bills that I have already made a commitment towards, my mortgage, my car payment, my insurance, all of those things, paying off those credit cards. I've already made a commitment to paying those things. And then the third is basically a bucket of you do whatever the you want with that money. It, you're free to have the ability to spend on anything. But what also is important there is you want to make sure that that especially that bucket of I'm going to spend my money on whatever I want to spend my money on, that that money is really kind of going towards those goals, those things that you really want that really do make you happy. And probably the best way to help figure out what your no budget budget is, is to do that spending analysis because the second variable in that three-step equation is your expenses. And that'll help you get crystal clear on what your expenses are. And you might realize some of those expenses aren't really worth it and you can cut them out or reduce them and give yourself more of the present stuff budget. Right. And then we also recommend that you create maybe a vision board or a journal that kind of keeps tracks of what your goals are. So they're always ever present in your mind. And so that you, when you're creating your budget and you're living by your no budget budget, that you know exactly why you're working toward that budget. And then tip number seven, and this may be the most critical, and that is start today. We as humans have a tendency to uh, choose smaller immediate rewards rather than delay the gratification for larger, even more rewarding rewards. I would never do that. (laughs) It's a psychological term called hyperbolic discounting. We're all prone to it. So that's the benefit of starting today. Focus on today, focus on your your future, because you're just going to get a much better return on your overall lifestyle than if you just focus on your present. Again, time in the market is way better than timing the market. A lot of us try to delay investing in ourselves for the future because we think we can get that, you know, windfall of money or get pick that amazing stock pick or get an inheritance. It doesn't always happen. So time in the market is way better than timing the market. And it was just recently reported, I think it was CNBC, no, Axios, that people who buy home today with way interest rates are currently, it'll take them at least 10 years to be able to start profiting off of that investment. The equation has changed a little bit. You can't make a profit in two to five years as you maybe once upon a time could. Now it's going to be delayed even more. So all the more reasons for you to start working on your wealth builders pyramid today and benefit from, as David talked about earlier in the episode, compounding interest. Right. And it really goes back to that idea of if you pay your future self first, you actually need to set aside less money. Yeah. And that means that you have more of your paycheck today to commit to the 
past expenses and the fun expenses of being able to spend your money and live that life right uh, now. Can you share that example? You talked about it at Ramba, the maxing out your 401k, your first five years of your employment. Right. Do you remember that? Yeah. So right now you can contribute a maximum of $22,500 a year to your 401k. If you were to make the commitment for the first five years of your, your working career to say, I am going to put away that $22,500. I'm going to do whatever it takes, live with mom and dad, not have a car, <laughs> whatever. Or maybe you're fortunate enough to make six figures and be able to be able to do it without having a huge effect on your life. But if you made that commitment, you invested that over that five years, that's $112,000 roughly. And that $112,000 35 years later would be worth almost one and a half million dollars. Whereas somebody who said, At you know, 7% interest, that, that right average 7% interest over that time frame, And you'd only made the contribution for those first five years. Whereas somebody who said, I'm going to only put in $10,000. And I want to say only, I'm comparing that to somebody who puts in $22,500. <laughs> only putting in $10,000 is not only, but just the comparison between the two. If you put in $10,000 a year, you literally have to contribute every year for 35 years to get anywhere close to that $1.5 million that the other person who front-loaded their retirement was able to do. That really speaks to this idea of focus on that future first, because then years down the line, when you want to buy that house or you want to take that vacation or you want to get married, all those kinds of things, you will have more money in your present money bucket to be able to use than people who are scrambling to figure out how they're going to save for retirement and need to put aside even more. Perfect. So to recap, there are seven steps that we encourage you to do. One, get clear on what truly matters to you today and what you'll need for tomorrow. Two, calculate how much you'll need for tomorrow. Obviously, that is focused on your retirement number for and is, yeah, is generally a rough estimate. Number three, adjust your cash flow accordingly, meaning figure out how you can make some more money. <laughs> and reduce <laughs> and, your expenses. And reduce your expenses. Number four, build your emergency savings so that you're not tapping into that present or past money. And then five, open up a sinking funds account so that you're bucketing money for the things that you really, really want. Six, manage expenses to align with your goals. Again, forming some sort of budget. We encourage you to do the no budget budget. And then finally, get started. Just do it. Today. <laughs> so, so stay tuned for your quick money takeaway from this episode. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Queer Money newsletter in your podcast player or on the YouTube description below to get this week's Queer Money takeaway, resources that we mentioned during this episode, and the tier, your tip to reach financial independence even faster. Then join us this Thursday when we talk about the most affordable LGBTQ plus friendly city to live in Dorothy's, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> and next Tuesday, when we interview Brian Page of the Modern Husbands podcast about the cost of raising an LGBTQ plus child in America today. Thank you and have a great week.
From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.